to MMA Roadshow, episode number 442. My name is John Morgan, and Cole Coffee is with me in a sense of fashion in the virtual ways that uh, technology allows us to do right now, as I am coming to you from Newtown, North Dakota, Four Bears Casino and Lodge, and Cole Coffee is home in Las Vegas at the fabulous palatial estate of the Casa Cold Coffee <laughs> to help cover right. Noche UFC. We're coming to you early on a Thursday morning, so a little later than normal, but it was uh, a bit unavoidable. I had uh, a travel day and you had media day, so we just couldn't couldn't really make it work on the normal Wednesday time, but we're we're getting together now and we'll certainly talk about it all. Cold Coffee, how are you surviving over in, in the in the chaos that is Las Vegas, man. If, uh, I know we don't you know, always talk about news and stuff, but good Lord, man, I've been watching this stuff on social media. This this MGM Grand, and, and, and uh, not just MGM Grand, the whole MGM properties, man, they're getting taken down. The MGM properties, in the, yeah. It's crazy because I, I, initially when I heard, uh, res, you know, reports of like the cyber attack or, you know, all the cybersecurity issue, as, they, as they've been saying, I thought it was just the MGM. And then they started to leak, you know, the information came out that it's MGM properties. MGM is trying to do a very, very uh, good job of not releasing info about it. It's a very, very bad look for them. But, I mean, this has been going on for days, you know, probably almost like a week, you know. So people are having hard times getting into their their rooms, hard times, you know, um, uh, doing anything with, for the most part, computers. Like, when I saw some clips today of, like, their gaming floor, all the machines, or most of the machines are are just blue screen. They're not working. I'm like... They gotta be just freaking out, cause and then all those properties, the amount of money that this is gonna cost, and I don't know if it's a matter of somebody's like sort of holding them ransom right now, and that could be some of the stuff that they don't want to let out. You know, there's like a cyber ransom, somebody's got their back end system, but it's not a good look. And this is the kind of thing, as big as this company is, this is huge. I mean, yep. this is huge. If it is in fact a cybersecurity issue and they got hacked, and then somebody's sort of doing bad things i mean this is gonna be huge and i can only imagine the amount of money but yeah uh and uh danny segura who is here in town to cover the event here with uh junkie as well um is staying at the mgm and he didn't know about it so he sent a message the other day he's like i sat in the lobby for two hours trying to get my room key i don't know what's going on here i was like bro do you not read the news i was like you're staying at a property that got that got hacked Part of me but I want to be like, oh, you couldn't find a cheaper hotel than MGM? Good for you, bro. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> like, use that junkie dollars, dude. Use the junkie dollars. Uh, you know, that couldn't like, have been uh, the know, best deal in town. Trying like, to, like, that could not have been the best not. deal. I'm like, it, you're going to a major, major, you know, place. It's not even where the, you know, you could even went to, like, you know, maybe the New York, New York or somewhere or the Tropicana or somewhere closer. You right. Know? Ask the traveling media when they come to town. Ask, poll them. Who stays at the MGM? And the uh, answer, for the most part, is only none. Nobody they stay at cheaper places. Nobody they stay at cheaper places. The, the uh, but yeah, the, it's crazy down there, man. Uh, uh, I hope it works out. But even outside of that, with the F one stuff still going on there, I have no desire to go down there. And uh, that being said, I don't know if you heard the news because I was thinking it was just something weird in the print. But uh, the ceremonial weigh-ins and yep. this QA that's going to happen assumed it was at T-Mobile. It is at Toshiba Plaza outside T-Mobile. I did not so know So we're going to be fucking outside for the fucking ceremonial weigh-ins <laughs> and for this Q&A. It is going to be so bad. When I heard that yesterday, I was like, this is going to be bad. Oh. There's going to be people passing out. It's still hot. It's still yeah. warm during the days here. And I mean, like, let alone if the weather, you know, finally decides to rain or whatever. Um, 
it's going to be bad. But yeah, I found out that it's going to be in the Toshiba Plaza. So it's going to be nuts and it's going to be down there. Uh, so it's just going to be another thing that hopefully there's no issues with, you know, this MGM stuff spreading over to that. But uh, lo and behold, yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's funny when you said uh, earlier when you're, uh, you said I was joining you in a sense or fashion. I thought you were going to say fashion sense because I was still wearing my wife today. <laughs> This morning, because I got out of the shower, I haven't, I haven't got fully dressed, but I was like, it's just J-Mo. It's fine. And it's see, fine. Then when you started saying sense or fashion, I was like, oh, this motherfucker's going to call me on. I was like, I'll just do it myself. I'll just do it myself. And see, that is what folks so, yes, are missing from the video version that we yeah. might need to go to at some point so they can see. Yeah, you want to see these traps, dog? Y'all want to see these traps? How about these shoulders? Uh, uh, uh. You oh, don't want to see this. You we're don't definitely see switching this. the video now. We're definitely switching the video. We gotta call up the folks <laughs> at OnlyFans and get us hooked up over there. <laughs> They're like, as much as we like new content, uh, I think we're gonna pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. They're gonna call it some fans because there's always somebody out there for someone. They're just gonna say, yeah, yeah, sir. We're gonna we're gonna put you to the. Uh, the octogenarian fan sites oh, or whatever. Man. All right. Well, listen, we'll uh, talk about uh, all that is UFC Noche in a second. I did want to talk briefly about uh, I will not be there for those outdoor ceremonial weigh-ins. I am here for CFFC 125, which will be on Friday night on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, happy to announce my man CM Punk is en route to here to North Dakota yes. as well. So he is back on the mic with me, so I'm excited to see him. It's been a while since I got a chance to work with him. His, his schedule has freed up a little bit, so he's got a little bit of <laughs> Yes, it has. Time. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know. Uh, I just know he's got a little more are you time. Gonna, are you gonna Are you gonna pose the question? Or are you gonna try to do off the record, sort of just hey, let's let's have? Well, you can't have some drinks and talk. You can you can have some tea or some, <laughs> share he's, a citrus be- beverage or something. You can you know, definitely some you can juice. definitely have some coffee. You can definitely uh, a night if you can find a nitro cold brew. You can definitely sit down and talk with. Oh, uh, that's good shit. Well, that's, that's he's living good. That's the he's go-to right there. So I'll definitely see what I can find out. I, obviously, a lot of it will be off record. I'm sure we'll try to work in uh, a couple of little jabs on the broadcast here or there. I just have a little fun. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But he is on his way. I haven't seen him yet, but he'll be in uh, later today. Uh, to be honest good with you, I, I haven't even seen this place yet. So I traveled yesterday, uh, flew from Vegas to Denver, Denver to uh, Minot, uh, International Airport, and it's about a 90-minute drive from the airport to get here, uh, and I did that in the middle of the night, so I haven't even really had a chance to, to look around yet, but the crew that's been here for a couple of days uh, said it's really beautiful around here. I mean, obviously, it's kind of out in nature. It's my first time in North Dakota, so, I mean, we're out in the on the plains, and it's, you know, it's oil country, and, and uh, so I, I'm kind of excited to see it. We're right on the Missouri River, uh, so I'm excited to, once we get done uh, recording here to kind of poke around a little bit and see what it's all about. Because like I said, it's and by the way, you talk about the heat. I think the high here today is like 73 degrees. So uh, pr- pretty. Oh, that's great. Yeah, pretty excited about that. To get that. So it was funny, man. To 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 give you a sense of the kind of place this is. When we landed last night, I got in around midnight last night, and uh, I was joining up on some other guys that were coming in on a flight that got in like 15 minutes after mine, and then we were taking the shuttle. Uh, to, from the airport to the hotel. Well, the shuttle driver sees me there, and it's not one of those things where he recognized me, like, you know, because he's like, I think it was just one of those things where, like, I was the only one still standing there after most of the people got their luggage, and so he was like, you must be here for the MMA fight. I'm like, yeah, I am. And he was like, hey, my shuttle's out there if you want to if you want to go out there. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, we're waiting on some other people. He was like, yeah, 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 we got, like, ten people. But I go out to the shuttle, and, like, 
A, you it's just parked, which you know, at, like the Vegas airport, like you're not parking uh, your car right there outside the airport. No, you got those people who are like, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. But it's yeah. parked there, and he's got the door open and the and the keys in it, and the things just running, and he's inside oh, the airport. You know, <laughs> I was like, that car would be gone so fast in Las Vegas. <laughs> 100% or anywhere for the most part. Wow, that's yeah, that's, that's some small town feel right there. That's the kind of small town like, feel. No, whatever, that's Georgia's car. Why would I get in Georgia's car? You know, like, guys, exactly. obviously that's Georgia's car. Clearly like, not Georgia over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, Georgia, good, you're good. You can just park there, it's cool. So so that was my immediate reaction. I'm like, wow, this is this is cool. You don't see places like this. And then we were driving, like I said, about a 90-minute drive. Yeah, it's after. Cool. It was after midnight, so uh, some of the guys were sleeping, but I was sitting up front, and we were kind of talking to the driver, and it was funny because we just started kind of talking about fighting. The guy didn't know, like, MMA, really, uh, but he was like, yeah, he's kind of new to the area. He's like, I've heard they've had some big fights here uh, over the years, and I'm like, yeah, they've, they've definitely hosted MMA. He's like, um, the 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 UFC guy with, uh, with the pink hair, he fought here one time, and we were like, Sean O'Malley? Because we're Sean just O'Malley? like – yeah, because we're only, like, where we are in Newtown, I think he said we're, like, 60 miles from the border to Montana. So I was like, well, that would make sense. It was probably Sean O'Malley. And uh, he was like, yeah, I think that's it. He's, he's a UFC champ now. I was like, yeah, they're probably talking about Sean O'Malley. So I pulled it up just to, just to see, let's to double check. I was like, that's got to be who he's talking about. It's pretty crazy. Sean O'Malley fought here in March 2017. It was four months before he was on Dana White's Contender Series. So it was right I was before. I he wasn't pink hair then. Yeah, definitely not. That's that cool was, that he remembered it. Yeah, so that I guess people were talking about. It. So I pulled up this card. It's pretty wild. So this was this was March of 2017, right here at Four Bears Casino and Lodge. Uh, the main event was David Michaud, who's been in several big organizations, including the UFC, fighting Cody Wilson. Uh, Alexa Connors was the co-main event. Alexa Connors is actually going to be in our card on Friday night. Emily Whitmire picked up a win on the card. Uh, yeah, Sean, okay, o- okay, okay. Sean, Sean O'Malley was here. He got a first round knockout uh, to get to six and zero. So Sean O'Malley was on the card. Uh, Tyler Vogel, who we just saw on the Contender Series, was here. This one cracked me up. Colin Huckbody made his professional debut here on that date. Colin Huckbody ended up being uh, our our CFFC middleweight champ, but this was his professional debut. And he fought a guy that was twenty and forty-six in his professional <laughs> debut. Like they put him up against a, a oh, wow. sixty-six fight veteran in his debut. But anyway, I thought it was cool, man. What a, what a cool little card. That was the uh, Extreme Beatdown uh, was the name of the organization that, that handled that. So uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Regional MMA, man. It's kind of fun to see uh, organization. When you look back over a couple years, you're like, dude, you could have seen Sean O'Malley here for like. You know, less than it costs now to, 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 to get him for, like, a single autograph or something. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Because, yeah, even when he when he fought in the Contender Series, he looks night and day like oh, the, yeah. like a totally different character. So I can only imagine what he looked like when he fought there. But that's cool. Yeah, that's neat to, to, to see the, the, the path that people have taken, uh, you know, on their way to the UFC. I love you know, it. That's very, very cool. But, yeah, I'm a big it. fan of Whitmire. Woo! Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a new I got a new favorite uh, from this uh, past uh, Dana White's Contender series. You were a fan. Uh, one of Alex's girls, Julia uh, Julia Palastri. Yeah, that yeah. Little, you were a fan. She's a redhead. She's badass. She's badass. Savage. She hot. She fine. She, yeah, she, she was. A- Dude, she was eating punches and just like walking forward, like she was like, "Yeah, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing." I was like, "Oh, I hope she's not cocky. I hope that's not gonna get it." That but she a- just knew, man. I was just like, "Dude, it was so." 
there was the the fights contender series. It was just awesome. I thought yep. this was probably, in fact, the, the 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 fifth fight was probably the one I didn't pay the most attention to because I was already just like, can the night get any better? But yeah, man, what a good bunch of night uh, uh, a night of fights, man. That was that was great. But yeah, I getting distracted. I was thinking about my favorite <laughs> new redhead on the. On the it was, field. it was definitely one of the best <laughs> best uh it was definitely one of the best contender series fights. I want to talk about some of the Dana conversation. Uh all right, two two quick things I want to share as well. Uh I purchased for the first time uh well see you don't use Apple products, so, but an air tag. You have heard of these Apple air tags, right? Where you just like a little face of track. You have one? Yeah. Oh, so and then you just No, no, I've heard about them. Okay. I've heard people say, you know, ways to either track your you know, you could hide one in your car or in your luggage so you can actually track your your stuff as it travels on on its own, but I've also heard the nefarious side of it, where people have put air tags on targets, like whether it be women or other shit, and Ooh. tracking people. It does yeah. make it and does make you like, say it does make you say right away when you sign up, like this is not to be used for tracking people. Or whatever. Does it really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I heard that. I mean, because I've even seen that there's apps and things that you can that they've came up with, so you could you could scan to see if there's a tag on you or near you. Just for that reason or whatever. Interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just—it's another—it's another instance where you know something very useful and very cool came out, and then of course there's always some d bag out there that's like, oh, I can take this and make this really—I could use this for well, bad purposes or whatever. But but yeah, I have heard about the app, the air tags. I thought they were really cool, especially like when uh, somebody said like I, they put one in their car. Should your car ever get stolen, you could actually track your car down. That's a really or good people idea. Have given it to police, and the police actually use that info to recover their car from them. Um, but yeah, I heard about the luggage a lot where people put it in their luggage, well, but, that's but what, what did you do with an air well, tag? Well, that's what I did. I like the car idea actually, but that's what I did actually with, was with my luggage. So normally, uh, you know me, man, I don't, I don't check luggage, right? I know you have to because yeah, you, you never check. Yeah. You carry so much gear. You have to, but I never do. And I will say if, and it's a travel recommendation for anybody out there. If you can get your packing down to enough that you can do carry on only, it will help you in a lot of times if, like, you need to change planes or you need to take a standby or you're delayed or whatever. It saves you time. So if you can carry on only, I recommend you carry on only. But here's the thing is, in flying out here to North Dakota, I couldn't fly American Airlines because they don't – the closest they fly is Bismarck, which is, like, two – American Airlines is, like, North what? Yeah, yeah. North what? <laughs> they, they fly to Bismarck, which I think is, like, a two-hour and 40-minute drive. And I was like, yeah, that's a bit much. Like, Ugh, an hour and a half. That's long. So, uh, so I had to fly That's United long. Airlines, and so because I had to fly United, I'm a nobody on United. So I'm like the last person on, and so even though they, uh, even though I had all carry on, because I'm in the, like the last boarding group, they're like, you got to check your bag, oh, you got to yeah, check your bag, full. yeah. So, um, so they check my bag, and I just, I guess I'm a little OCD about losing my gear because I have gear and stuff in there, and I and and I need it, and I'm yeah. only here for a short time. It's not like. You know, if they're if I was here for a week and they're like, oh, sorry, we lost your bag. We'll have it to you in 48 hours. I'm like, bro, I'm heading home in 48 hours. Like that won't help me, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, having that air tag was nice peace of mind to uh, to because I could yeah. see it when I landed in Denver. I could see that it was here in Denver. When I landed in North Dakota, I could see that it was in North Dakota. And it's instantly not like sitting there waiting at the at the baggage carousel wondering like is my bag gonna come off? Is my bag gonna come off? I so, like that. So I like that. I highly recommend. How, how much? Uh, how much was it? Like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah, it was like no, I think it was like twenty five dollars, and uh, oh, it's even cheaper. Yeah, twenty five, and I think they said. 
they last about a year, and then there is like a little battery in it that I think can be replaced. Um, so if you want yeah. to, but I'm sure the battery is probably like ten or twelve. So at that point, maybe you just want to buy another one. I don't know. To but, buy a new one. Yeah, but well, see, that's the kind of information that would be useful on a newly redesigned MMA Roadshow travel tips. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like things I like where you're going of. with that. Things hmm. to think of. Things to think of. <laughs> Uh, but that's so, good. But yeah, I have heard of it. Those air tags, man. I, I, it's a good idea. But it's you know, of course, you know, there's always some schmuck out there that use them for bad things. But yeah. you used it for the right purpose. As soon as you started describing that, like, great, <laughs> I'm signing off on this thing that's helping people like track people now. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, so but you're I don't... not the only one. I mean, yeah, a lot of people use them. They're very, very, they're very cool. And I know uh, some people have them, like multiple. I mean, it can be. I'm glad that the. I thought that it was more expensive. So I mean, like at 25 bucks or even less than 30, that's kind of reasonable. Where you could pick up a few of them if you have multiple packages like if you have a laptop bag or you know if you even want to put it on your laptop or something you know or some things that you know are, are targetable or whatever yep. but i think neat. it's i think that's it's neat, but it's worth it. i think at that cost it's, it's worth doing like i said the peace of mind it gave me was nice uh did you cry when they took your bag away from you physically did you did you just have like instant regret like bro uh, uh, it's it's <laughs> happened enough now where I just get because you know when I when I go to Fight League Atlantic uh, I have to fly Air Canada out there because American doesn't fly there and they same thing so I'm like a schmuck on Air Canada and they make me take it so it's happened enough times that now I just go <sighs> okay here you go and I'm like and I do I'm like I'm like I did ask him I was like really I was like just a rollerboard I'm like really and he's like everybody in Group Four sorry and I was just like all right here you go so yeah so, yeah. You know. But yeah, the first time, the times at Air Canada, like I got a little bit passive aggressive, perhaps. I know, it's, I know <laughs> yes. that's, I know that's tough that's for you to believe. We know it. <laughs> <laughs> I may have gotten a little passive aggressive the first times, but uh, I've, yes, I've gotten over it now. I don't need to be causing uh, ruckuses at the airport. You know yes, I mean? yes, because you know, you know, there's always somebody off to the side recording it. Yeah. Oh boy, you know 100%, that's right. Definitely 100%. don't need that. Uh, also, the other thing I did yesterday that was cool, and it was—I I wish I was at home because I've done most of these from home, but I had to do this one from my phone and while we were traveling and stuff. But I took part in another uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission judging training call, um, which man, I—I I, I really enjoy doing those. Man, they're—they're they're, they're good. Uh, did any of the judges actually show up for that? Oh yeah, there were 18 people it on it. <laughs> yeah, there were 18 people on it. It wasn't just trash. Wasn't just journalists. Wasn't just media. Wasn't just journalists. Uh, I, I will say our, our old colleague uh, Stephen Morocco was on the call as well. So so he was there, oh, and, nice. and, and you had a bunch of judges. And it was really cool. So um, obviously I won't you know, go into exactly what each person said, but it's kind of a, a, but it's a great discussion. And, and the focus of this one was on the difference between 10-9 rounds and 10-8 rounds, right? And so they had uh, four fights that they pulled up, just one round. So if, I mean, I don't see any reason this can't be shared. It was uh, Paul Daly versus Eric Silva, round two at Bellator 223. Uh, Kat Zingano versus Gabby Holloway, round two at Bellator 245. Austin Lingo versus Mel Cazelle Costa, round three uh, on a USC Fight Night event. And Alexander Munoz versus Carl Deaton, round three uh, at that same USC Fight Night event on July 15th. And basically, we all watched the video together, and then they put up like a little poll, like everybody vote what you voted, you know, like vote how you score this. And then, and then they had discussion over why – um, you, you scored it that way and, and, and what you thought. And um, Jeff Mullen is there helping run it. Mark Smith was there helping run it. And like I said, a bunch of judges on there. 
um, from around the nation and around the world. And uh, and it was cool, man. And, and, and on some of them, we all like completely agreed, like that's definitely a ten nine, that's definitely a ten eight. On their others, there, you know, we we had differing opinions. Like a couple of them, I was, I, you know, I was ten nine, and other people were ten eight, and vice versa. Um, but it's cool, man. And, and I know, like you said, you kind of take a funny little shot at the judges there, but these guys do care, and, and girls, I should say, guys and girls, these folks do care, and they are trying to educate themselves, and they are having educated discussion about it and uh and it was good and, and ultimately what we came came away with was and, and you hear it talked about a lot but it was it was really kind of enforced there too is how much damage really means something yes dominance yes duration <laughs> but damage is really the one that means the most um but there was one situation and, and, I'll, and I'll just say it since it was my score uh Kat Zingano versus Gabby Holloway round two I went 10-9 when the majority of people went 10-8, even though if you go watch that round, it's like an immediate takedown. And Kat's like in mount pretty much the entire round. And she's landing some shots, but there's nothing that like, oh, this fight's about to get stopped. Um, So because of that, I was like, yeah, there was activity, but not enough. There was damage, but not enough. I'm looking for those immediate like fight-ending blows that like, or or great submission attempts. Um, and, and, and I didn't see that. So I went 10-9, but a lot of people did do 10-8. And they said, look, the damage wasn't immediately impactful, but it was, um, you know, it was the, throughout the, the – it added up throughout the entirety of it. So um, anyway, great discussion. And, and the other thing I thought was really interesting that I took out of it was in discussing damage because one of, one of the things I always talk about is, like, I, I love the fact that we're rewarding damage. But sometimes you can't see it. It's not like a video game where there's like a damage meter and we could measure it because the energy goes down. You know, it's like, how do you measure it? And there was a lot of talk about how fighters react when they get hit or when they get kicked. Or, uh, you know, there was talks of like grimaces in the face, which is a a great observation. So how do you measure damage? Uh, But it made me think of the importance of if you're an athlete, and and hopefully, you know, these athletes that are out there fighting are realizing, if you can no-sell so to speak, the shot, you know, somebody hits you with a big shot to the body and you can keep that poker face and you can make it look like it didn't land. There's no way mm-hmm. for a judge to really know. So they're looking for little clues like that. So um, anyway, I just want to share that because um, I, I, yeah. I love these things. I love taking part in them and I love reinforcing to people that, hey, man, these people are out there trying to educate themselves and trying to do the best job they can. And I wonder too, you know, like I think that you know the time when you have former athletes step into that role might help as well because you know there's times when maybe an athlete is just um, his cardio's gone out and maybe he's just struggling to grab an air and then maybe he catches a shot that maybe isn't even that that hard, but he might make a face because it's not really due to the 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 strike, but you know maybe some other external issue that I think if uh, somebody has like training can actually actually recognize him like, mm. bro, that wasn't the hit that did anything. That's just him going through, you know, he's trying to catch his breath or he's just, his cardio is going out on him right now. And I, I would blame more the fact that it's cardio as opposed to that shot where somebody might look and say, oh man, look out, look at him after that shot. Look at him. He looks like he's having a hard time breathing and, you know, a, a trained eye or maybe that somebody does a training. And that's why I think, you know, it is one thing, I guess, to see the fighter make a face or do whatever. But I think, you know, with maybe experiencing them also of like what the fighter's really going through at that moment to to understand whether it's really a face of pain or a face of just maybe maybe just somebody makes ugly faces <laughs> or something, you know, <laughs> and, and that's just part of their their thing. And then somebody's attributing it to something else. But regardless, I think the more the it, it it's always going to be a good thing that they're actually trying to look at more stuff and actually think about it as opposed to just reacting because 
you know, uh, there's so many times when you see, see these results and you just can't fathom them. And when you see the general, you know, majority of the population shaking their heads, like, what is this person doing? Um, it's good to know that at least that they are, um, you know, doing some stuff. I don't know if it's mandatory for some of them. I don't know if Adelaide Bird's been to any of these training sessions recently. You know, a lot of times I think that the, the commission just looks at their past experience and it doesn't ask them to attend these trainings because it's looking at, well, they just called three fights. That's that's the training. And that's not good enough. I mean, like, no. I think it should be a mandatory. Constant, everybody should have to go through these things, you know. Constant continued education is the key, man. Constant. You know, that's it, it absolutely should 100%. be. 100%. So anyway, uh, all right, 100%. listen, uh, obviously we're going to talk about uh, Noche UFC that's happening this weekend, but I did want to get uh, just your quick thoughts on UFC 293. Of course, I gave my in-depth thoughts on the and-a-half episode over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, but the world is still talking about it with Sean Stricken, and, and, and that's great to see. Yeah. Um, but what's also great to see is the amount of love that Eric Nixick is getting, and I know that you know it firsthand uh, of what a great guy that guy is and how much he's meant to the entire gym at Extreme Couture. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't sing his praises enough. It's just what a good human being he is in addition to be a phenomenal coach. Yeah. So it's great seeing the love that Eric is getting. Uh, it's great seeing the love that Sean is getting. So um, I don't know, man. I just want to get your impressions of what you saw at USC 293 and after you've had a couple of days to kind of uh, dissect yeah. it and consider it and see the out. Where, where, where do you stand? I mean, uh, I think there's still a lot of people trying to figure out if, if Sean looked great or Israel looked bad and, and what Sean's ultimate goal, you know, where, where he stands in the sport. I mean, he's, what, number eight on the pound-for-pound pound list with the USC rankings. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about the whole USC 293 fallout? Yeah, I mean, well, one just to, to to quickly cap the 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 Nixick talk. Yeah, I mean, Nixick's a great coach, man. He puts one hundred percent of his heart and and soul in the the training and with those guys. And I couldn't be happier for him. I mean, I know I know you were still with Junkie on um, the years where we picked him as like coach of the year and mm -hmm. different other little stuff. Um, so yeah, you can't sing enough praise of that guy. And I mean, I think what the great thing I and mean, a lot of people are giving him credit for, which is just a kind of what he is. Like they got off the plane and then went straight to pretty much to extreme once to show off the belt a little bit, but also to, to, to help a class that was going on because it never ends. There's always these killers that are at extreme that it's great. We just got a world championship, but oh yeah, I got a guy that's fighting in, in four days or whatever. So that's the mindset. That's the effort. Um, he's all about that team. And uh, yeah, he's such a cornerstone anchor of extreme couture um, that uh, it's amazing. And I'm glad he's getting the accolades, but I mean, this is nothing new for us. We've respected and thought the guys that the shit for, for many years and he's always been very uh giving of himself so yeah i love the dude um as for the fight it's kind of what we said we said if izzy can't handle strickland style of walking forward it's going to be a bad day for izzy yeah. that izzy cannot make a mistake we said it's not going to be easy i mean it's not going to be easy um he can't make a mistake and i don't think izzy made a mistake he just didn't have an answer for sean's pressing you know uh pressure and that was just like it it became a boxing kickboxing match there was like maybe zero takedown attempts in the whole darn thing it was just perfect of sean just being sean and i thought if there was anything i thought sean's uh he was definitely in there to counter counter punch but i thought his just defense in the in the sense of evading izzy's shots was just fantastic i thought his head he wasted no energy in 
moving his head too crazy. I mean, when Izzy threw a shot, Sean evaded it. And what Izzy's able to do a lot of other times against other fighters is he, he gets them with the feints. He'll throw feints and he tries to get them to, you know, sort of start giving. And then he gets them when they're not expecting a shot. The thing about Sean is throw the feint. He doesn't care. He's still walking forward towards you. And it got to the point where, you know, I think one of the commentators said it. Uh, and I thought I was like, that's exactly it is like, as much as Izzy trained for this fight, how much of the fight did he train going backwards the whole time? Right. How much did he, you know, while he did like, you know, they said, you know, he does like to get against the cage and he waits for that counterpunch like when he was able to knock out Pejea, he sort of had his back against the cage. So he's comfortable being back against the cage. But there's, I think, maybe a danger with being comfortable against the cage where you're setting yourself into a place where you only have two directions to go. Well, three, That's if right. you can go forward, but it's to the right or to the left. And it got to the point where he wasn't moving. He didn't really have any lateral movement. And Sean was just able to sort of follow him and just like a fucking Terminator just went forward. And Izzy had no answer for it. But I don't think Izzy made a mistake. He just didn't have an understanding for how to properly stop a guy that's going to go forward. You either have to do that with power and make the guy not want to walk forward in your punches, or you just have to constantly keep get that lateral movement and get to the outside and just reposition and reposition. And he did it and he did it. But then a couple of times he just, and then he just got caught and Sean had his, I thought Sean's accuracy was incredible. I thought his uh, way he was able to evade Izzy's strikes. Um, he was catching some kicks, but I mean, Izzy just, it didn't seem like there was a lot of pop in some of the kicks, but it could be the way that Sean was just able to sort of just, not shucked him off, but it just didn't seem to phase him. He was he was so focused, and man, and, and to see the energy burst when he was able to land that shot on Izzy, you know, because Sean was very counter strike, counter punch focused. When he landed that shot that dropped Izzy, oh my god, it was like <laughs> all of a sudden somebody took the energy <laughs> knob and just turned it up to twelve. You know, he went, and then you saw that releasing shots and releasing shots. And the crazy thing, and we've said this, and we've seen, and you can see it in any of, of Strickland's sparring sessions that's how he that's how he trains non-stop yep. pushing forward with guys and we've even seen that we do it when he's had a couple guys in there you know <laughs> so i i think it's, it's a matter of you know izzy needs to you know honestly i the way uh and I'm, i don't want to get distracted because I, I have a point i want to say about the post-fight press conference um i wasn't the way that izzy was so dejected and it had no answer it was such a a bad showing and made Izzy look like he wasn't even close to being championship level because there was no answer for what Sean was doing. I thought Izzy was going to just say and just have a pout moment and just walk away and say, guys, I'm, I'm done with this right now. If I can't beat Sean Strickland, I'm just done right now. And then obviously would take some time away and come back. I was, I was literally calling in our Slack chat. I was like, he's about to retire. Wow. That was such an ass whooping. He's about to retire. He's about to step away. And does that, does that feed into I, it? And it could be because I partially saw him lean over and say something to Dane. I was like, dude, that's what I think triggered it in my mind. When he said something to Dane, I was like, and I guess all he said to Dana was, I'll talk to you later. According to yeah. what Dana said uh, the other night, I was like, I'll talk to you later. Um, and then to see what he said in the post-fight uh, press conference, I was just like, and the fact that they, he didn't stick around in the octagon to get an octagon interview and then shows up at the press conference just to say, I want to go spend time with the family. That's cool. You can go spend time with the family, but do do what you're supposed to do. I just felt it, uh, and, I, and, and I called it in the Slack channel. I said, it's Ronda 2.0. He's gonna he's gonna be the next person that just wants to uh, step away on his way down. Like I, I just saw this as a moment where um, people are gonna give him shit about it. He should have just ate crow and just faced the faced the media, 
faced, if anything, the Octagon interview. That's a gimme. That's a safety. I mean, like, well, they're not going to ask any hard-pressed questions. And, yes, I mean, he got knocked around or whatever, but it's like you see him then immediately he leaves the venue and he makes this like, oh, I'm just here in my car with my family and the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, you, you ran away from the people that were going to ask the question that you were boasting. If he would have won, obviously he would have stuck around and, you know, boasted about how Strickland, you know, sucked ass, you know. But, no, <laughs> now because he lost, he had to just shuck everybody and – and make it awkward for Eugene Berryman to have to go in there and try to make up excuses um, about ultra, you know, metaverses and, and different universes and why this <laughs> happened and, and whatnot. So um, he I put, see, he put I Eugene see, in a rough spot. I see a little bit of what you're saying. So in the immediate aftermath, here's what I said. Number one, if somebody doesn't want to talk to the media, I don't feel like they have to. I understand. Like I get, and, and, and to your point, I like what you're saying. Hey, at least do the in octagon interview where you know it's one or two questions. Maybe address the people. It's a belt in the crowd. handover. When do they not ever talk yeah. to them? Address, address the people in the crowd that you know spend a lot of money to be there. You know what I mean? They want to hear from their hero. They want to hear from the superstar. Yep. But I get it as to why. Like, I honestly don't feel offended if somebody doesn't come to the post fight. Like, I understand how down in the dumps they are. Now, I will say this. Guys like Conor McGregor, guys like Dominic Cruz, uh, you know, have made lots of fans by the way they – even Israel Adesanya have, have made fans by the way they handle themselves in defeat because we look at that and we go, wow. But if you're so emotionally – down, broken, whatever, you don't want to get to the media, I get that. I don't fault you for it. And the other thing I said is that, like, plus, that now saves all of that valuable content for his private YouTube channel, which he has as well, where his brother can interview him and he can be his right. own media source as well. So I wonder if it's almost like a strategic play as well, you know? Yeah. I had a funny thing about that, because remember he's always like, I could do your job. I'm like, bro, I could go in there and get my ass whipped by Strickland. Oh, I could do wow. your job, too. Oh, <laughs> wow. Shots fired, shots fired, shots wow. fired. No, but in all seriousness, you know, I, I that just whatever. But I get your point. I mean, I get I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, you, you know, it would be shitty if he, he skipped all the other stuff um, to do his own thing, but I get it. I mean, but what's the difference? Did this one hurt more than when he lost to Pahea? Because he came after the Pahea fight. I know, that's what right? I'm saying. Like, we've seen him do it before. Like I said, like, he, he, we've seen it do him before. Like, why not now? Is it because you talk this one, you talk so much shit, or you just... You thought you were going to walk over this guy, and this one hurts a little bit more because I think it got to a point in the fight he I, you could almost feel um, that he had no answer, and that was sinking into his head. And I think that's what upset him more about this fight yeah. as opposed to getting just uh, a, a knockout that you don't you don't recognize. Like when they always come to after a knockout, and they're like, "What happened?" Because they don't remember the shot that got him. He remembers everything about this fight, and I think that there there, there became a point in. The fight, he just felt helpless because there was no answer. They, he just felt lost, and I think that's what got to him. Where he was like, "I gotta, I gotta center myself. I gotta get back to the family. I gotta get back to square one right now." Because at that point, I think he felt lost because uh, the Izzy that's able to just grab all these crazy, wonderful moves from out of thin air was able to grab nothing, and I think he probably felt like he lost his connection to. You know, the whatever the you know, the, you know, the one source or the whatever that gives him all this fantastic shit. I think he probably felt like he lost that. And then he just wanted to get back to square one, not answer a question. And I get that. I'm just giving him shit because it's like, bro, you've done it before. And people came to see you. Um, I'm glad that Strickland set, stepped up. I mean, he still was weird in his post fight, but he <laughs> it was actually was pretty fucking um, 
humble, more humble than he could have been. Right. Um, and he could have got, he could have been a lot ruder and a lot cruder and a lot whatever. Um, but again, you know, I mean, that's what we've said about Strickland. Strickland is, he's, he's very cringy at times, but ultimately in most interactions with it, the guy, I find the guy funny. Um, yeah. You know, he maybe says- that's wrong on me that I find, I laugh at some of the fucking cringy shit he says, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I mean, he's not a bad dude. Um, he just says some really cringy shit, <laughs> and I'm more than likely not going to hang out with him. But I don't know. When I saw his gun room, I was like, bro, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Now you, now you Can I come hang out in your gun room? Now Well, this is the one that I always use with Sean Strickland. Like, like, Sean has said before, he's like, I think America messed up when we put women in the workplace. And you hear that, and you're like, what yeah, did you, you just say? Yeah, disagree with that one. But then, but, yeah. then, then, but then when he goes on to explain, he goes, well, the problem is – you know, the way the family is now, we don't have anybody at home raising the kid because both parents are out there working. And so, the, you know, the, your kids are getting raised by the Internet and by TikTok and all that. And all that makes sense. Now, had you said, I wish we could figure out a system where one parent was home in the house, you know, or something like that. But, you know, it's like, oh, the sentiment behind what he was trying to say was actually kind of nice. But you can't just, you know, blanket say, I don't think women should be working like that. that you can't say that, Sean. Yeah. What are you talking about? If you say, I wish we had better family values, especially given the way his family was brought up. I mean, if he was saying, I wish, you know, we, we focused on family values so that our children were getting better moral compasses and all that. Like, okay, now you're talking. So it's like the sentiment behind a lot of what he says is good. It's just delivered in, in horrible fashion. Delivery. But yeah, it's delivery yeah. And, he, and he says cringy stuff and I think he likes being edgy or whatever. But all right, so... Here, so I mean, it makes me unique. The, the shit, the, the the views of the stuff, and Dana even said it after the fact, and like you know, of uh, some of the the Strickland stuff. It's crazy. It's hard to it's hard to not say that Strickland is a star in his own way. Can they maybe market him like some of the other guys? No, because no. he doesn't have a filter <laughs> on his mouth. But it, it's hard to uh, deny the fact that people are drawn to him. You know, I, there is definitely the mix of what's he going to say next, and then there's also the mix of the people I've seen that says. Bro, bro speaks it like it is. You know, they love it's his true. honesty. They love his openness. They love the fact that he's not afraid to just say cringy shit. And a lot of the stuff rings true with a lot of people. There are a lot of people out there. Well. There are a lot of conservative Americans that believe that the roles, the traditional roles and the men and women are kind of askewed. So a lot of people are keen into that shit. Um, there's definitely a market for him out there, you know, and... Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm happy for him. Um, he fought the fight that he wanted to fight. He has a great story kind of leading up to it. Um, I don't mind the cringy shit, um, but I'm also I'm a Vegas homer, so I like the fact that Extreme Couture's got a belt. I'm not I'm not gonna shy away about that. I'm proud right. of them. I'm happy for them. Absolutely. You know, to say that I've trained in a gym where there's now a, a champ trained on the same mats or whatever, I find that cool. I find that very very cool. Um, Probably but, gave yeah, him I mean, some of his uh, best it's rounds. It's gonna be interesting. Right? What's that? Probably gave him some of his best rounds, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm probably going to have to claim this one, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously. I would love if uh, if Sean ever offered, I would love to have the time to to, to go in and train. But um, one, I feel I'd be afraid to ask because he'd think I was challenging him and then he'd whip the shit out of me. But uh, but I would say this about any, like, pro at Extreme. If any pro offers you the chance 
and you would think in an educational format to spar or to like train, why would you not take that opportunity? True. Like if, if Strickland, like if I know that there was a possibility, because you're never going to change, and now it would be actually cool to say you could actually train with a, a, a fighter, but I'm not going to go in there with the, you know, the, the real, you know, the, the, the hopes of like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to show him something. It's like, I would more likely just to, to anytime you could train with something that's better than you is a good thing. And if you go in there, when I say with somebody that's going in there with an educational mindset, as opposed to just dominate the, the fat overweight guy that's coming in there to spar with him, <laughs> but actually could show them some tips and actually let you get, you know, takes you to that level. It's like when you roll with a guy that's better, let you make some transitions, let you roll, get you in a position, give you the opening to get out of it without just yanking your arm off and let it be a learning experience. I think if anybody had an opportunity. So, yeah, if, I mean, in, in all you know seriousness, I would love the opportunity to, to train with like Strickland or whatever. But as much as I would like to claim this was for sparring with me, I've never had the uh, the honor of getting in there with him. But, boy, how cool would that be, especially now, the fact that he's got the belt and, and did whatever. So, yeah. Um, you know. It's a it's a new era. It's a new era in the UFC. We got we got Sean O'Malley with the belt. We got Sean Strickland with the belt. Uh, there's a whole lot of non PC stuff going to be going over the airways <laughs> coming from uh, Radio <laughs> UFC. And and the thing about it is Dana don't care. You know, uh, and I don't want to say don't care. He's just he understands what he can't control. And I think he's given up on trying to be this. Uh, it's our job to police the thing. You know, there used to be a athlete code of conduct when fighters used to say something about, you know, uh, potential, something that could be misconstrued as like, um, promoting rape or, um, race and all the other shit. They used to get a slap on the wrist, uh, or they at least try to sort of something. And, uh, none of that happens anymore. And I think now, now with the whole anti woke culture movement, uh, the UFC now has a platform where they could just say, no, we're not going to do it. They're fighters, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to mess with it. And it's unfortunate because you would like to see them sort of as an organization keep it keep it a little bit cleaner. Um, and maybe now with TKO, maybe some of that will kind of come into play because, I mean, you see the WWE, the fighters will talk a little garbage in between, but nothing ever to this because they understand it's just about just promoting something. I never see something get too crazy. Now, that being said, CM Punk, he fights for real when he goes fight these mofos. His, but I've never heard him really talk junk about these things. But it'd be interesting with the, the new TKO um, coming out with the merger of the WWE and the UFC, if there will be any sort of changing. Dana, the other day when he was like, I'm still going to run the show, things are going to stay the change, stay the same, makes me think that they won't really change when it comes to cleaning things up. But that being said... Um, the organization has changed. Um, maybe there will be some uh, point where WWE and some of the other, now that they're closer tied, will try to maybe maintain a better uniform face. Like, why would somebody say, okay, well, the WWE keeps it clean. Why are the UFC guys able to, you know, talk about race and this and this and this and this and have it be okay? You know, at some point, I think maybe they, they're going to need to start cleaning it up. Um, and I think that could be a good thing. I mean, yeah. It's it's interesting. So I mean, there's enough there's enough real bad shit out there. We don't need our favorite, you know, fighters and people's idols, you know, making it cheap and making it, you know, whatever. Yeah. On social media. I mean, listen, that's the the, the way I've always stand remains the same. Race, religion, family, I think needs to stay out of trash talk. I get the need for trash talk. Uh, first of all, people find it entertaining. 100%. Second of all, people just don't like each other sometimes. But just you know, the race, religion, yeah. family, I think that stuff needs to stay out of it. 
Um, all right, well, you mentioned the launch of TKO. Uh, the UFC and WWE officially merged into one company. As you said, Dana now officially known as the CEO. I kind of joked the other Mr. night. Mr. White? Yeah, do we have to call you Mr. Mr. White now that you are the CEO? He's like, no, come on, I'm kind of the same. Um, you know, but I, I think, and, and I'll get your take on it. I mean, obviously you're uh, you know, a, a former uh, UFC employee. You've been through some of the stuff. You've seen some of it firsthand uh, when acquisitions and sales happen. Uh, it's, it's impacted yep. a lot of people that, that you worked with. I don't necessarily see that this is going to change a whole lot uh, I, because I feel like the companies you know, really have their own kind of agendas and their own goals, and they're both doing really well. I think some people will ultimately be laid off. I think that's just inevitable. Like At some point, you go, yeah. where can we save some costs? But I don't feel like this is going to be one of those you know, Black Monday-type situations where we just see this gutting of entire departments. I'm, I could be wrong, but I, I'm, I'm not yeah. believing that's going to happen, and I'll get your take on it as well. But here's what I do see happening, and I think what – because I think immediately people think, oh, UFC, WWE crossover, and I don't think we're going to necessarily see that, but what you will see is you, you think about the change in negotiating power that both these companies have. They already had incredible negotiating power, but now you bring them yep. together, and you're talking about – broadcasters that need content and what is what is the number one content on the planet right now live sports and and wwe yep. sports entertainment still qualifies live sports uh venues what what are venues doing you got venues all around the globe that are trying to trying to get premier names into their building so that they can attract people um and now you can negotiate these two things together it's like hey uh you know you, you want uh, you want UFC to come to your venue, do you? Okay, cool, but we need we need two dates for UFC and we need two dates for WWE as well. Sorry, that's how it works. So as before, these two guys were bidding against each other for arena dates. They're trying to schedule yeah. against each other. Now they can work together and be like, hey, you know what's funny? Here's actually the cost that we want from you, venue, and we need this many dates and we need this guarantee. So that 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 includes it. Advertisers as well needing reach. People want to reach. I mean. You want to reach certain demographics now. It's like you come to the UFC and be like, "Hey, we can sell you an advertising package that shows you with this reach right here with the UFC, and let me also show you what reach we have right here with WWE." It's no different than what I, what I kind of like it to. I mean, look at what USA Today Sports does, the USA Today Sports Media Group, right? Like they took all these different, you know, independent websites. Like, why did they buy MMA Junkie? Why did they buy Golf Week? Why did they buy all these other? websites that they have out there hoops hype uh, is one i'm trying to remember the old names from when i was there it's because they can take all those 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 uh platforms and they can leverage them together to get better rates on things to get increased reach for advertising and all those things so um that's where i think the real power is going to be they're going to have huge negotiating power when it comes to talking with broadcasters talking with venues talking with advertisers that just helped everything as far as like what they're necessarily going to do for each other i don't think it'll be a lot so that's my take from the outside obviously that's no uh you know inside information that's that stuff playing out in high level executive boardrooms that i don't have access to but um i don't know what's your take are, are you worried that there's going to be another bloodbath around the the ufc offices or does this one feel a little safer no, I definitely think it feels safer, but I mean, if anything, I could see where maybe there might be more on the WWE side. I mean, when it comes to production, I mean, like the, the UFC's production team, the edit team is pretty fantastic. Um, I, I don't really see a lot of the WWE stuff, so I'm not sure how big or robust their team is. I could definitely see where there can be some combinations and some efforts, but you're right. I mean, I don't think it'd be the massive one like when they, um, 
got bought before where there was a lot of overhead and they just kind of had to get rid of some stuff. I do think there will be some redundancy and there will be some uh, cuts made at some point. The way that most of these operations work and the way the UFC's worked for so many years, you know, they sort of had this line of debt that they're able to sort of operate on. In, and in this merger, you know, the the company sort of uh, uh, took that, like I wasn't saying it was like $2.5 billion in debt or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, they assumed sort of in that... Th- um, as part of it, so there is going to be needs, just like even when the, the WWE or WME first took them. You know, um, there has to be certain ways to make it profitable. When you see the the top ten, what is it? People that were part of it, like you got the Craft Group, which is like the owner of like the Patriots and all the other stuff. Right. Um, there's going to be people that want money, and there, you know, the UFC is just one small portion of it. You know, so they want to make sure that it's a, a functional company and that it's also a money maker. Um, so there will be some cuts at some point, but yeah, I don't see where there's going to be a mass exodus of people. I don't think people there need to be worried. I think there's enough money coming in on the, the UFC side to take care of themselves right now, or they'll just, you know, open up another line of credit, depending on whatever it is, <laughs> especially if they're trying to say like, uh, it's business as is for the most part, you know, they're going to keep doing, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see, but when you get to some of those cheap positions, you know, when you have an organization, you have two CFOs or three CFOs, how many CFOs do you really need yep. to run an organization? You yep. know, that might be some of those top level ones. But when it comes down to the lower level um, people, uh, I could see where they probably don't need to have a lot of cuts in that area. But it doesn't mean that um, there won't be some. So I, I anticipate there will be some, but I don't think it'll be the massive one. Like when we saw the one time when I think there was like 100 or more people that got let go in that one big sweep. Um, that was crazy. I mean, that was crazy. I mean, when everybody got together to have drinks and just kind of lick their wounds, I was like, oh, that was a pretty bad one. That was pretty rough. But that was an emotional you're right. Day, I think man. when it comes to um, the bargaining, and um, they're still going to have to the point where these guys are going to still, I think that if anything, they'll just play nicer. But when it comes to where they want to take their tours and go around town, um, when it comes to weekend while they're competing, it, it's still going to be them claiming an event for a weekend or whatever. It's not like they can do a UFC on a Friday night and a WWE on Saturday night. You know, these these people, when they come in, when it comes for the load and the other stuff, they need that space. So they, they just can't do the day after, you know, sort of thing. So I think they'll still be vying. But I think if anything now, you're right. When they can go to a venue, they can go to T-Mobile and say, hey, FYI, what's your schedule look like for 2024? You know, we're hoping to get um, five UFC events, but you know, hey, how about we also were able to book you uh, five WWEs that maybe you didn't get before? You want to try to get them? We can bring them to the table. So you have two large promotions that now can really sort of like uh, piggyback and help. Yep create inroads where maybe the other one didn't um so i think it should be it should be good i mean the way the ufc too when they were operate you know going back to the cuts most of them they use third party pro uh production companies to actually put on events so it's not like they're they're gonna say well do we need two staff to go and set up places well they're not using the same staff anyways you know it's a third party company so that's not like they need to cut heads there or anything but um It'll be interesting, but they've already kind of now done these sort of, you know, where they've taken weekends. I think now, if anything, they'll just have a clear picture long term of what somebody's plan is. They just need to sit them down and say, okay, where do you go every year in September? Where do you go every year in October? You know, because you start seeing the the pattern with the UFC and like it comes up in my Google photos. It reminds me where you were here at this point in 2015. I was like, oh, yeah. And look where they're at right now. You know, they've started sort of established these these weekends where they're at. And I don't see that really changing too much because they've already sort of established them over the years. I think if anything now, there's just 
when you know months open up and they're not quite sure, now they can talk to the person on the other side of the table. Well, we're really thinking about maybe taking one last show in Vegas for December or whatever. And WWE, I'm like, oh man, well, we're kind of looking that area too. And then they could say, okay, well maybe maybe we'll pivot and go to MSG. You could take Vegas. Yep. You know, I think there'll be some more collaboration. I think that'd be kind of cool, and they can maybe work it out. But you know, the, the there was this quote. You know, and I was tasked to sort of ask it for our editor, um, you know, where Lawrence Epstein said, "Where you know, our goal is to make every WWE fan a UFC fan and make every UFC fan a WWE fan. Dana didn't really agree with that and kind of was like, uh, you know, and he made a good point. You know, while there are parts of each promotion that uh, people will like or they'll like little bits, I mean. I like WWE. I like certain bits, but you know, like I'll take watching a UFC fight over the WWE just because I I can't keep up with storylines. Right. I can keep up with a fight week, and this is what this guy fought last time, and then it's all about what happens in that cage. Where part of the unique part of the WWE and you know the fascinating part, and it takes me back to being a kid, is following these stories, these 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 things, all these other little stuff that the WWE creates, these narratives. And it's hard to keep up with that sort of stuff that I think it's it's too much sometimes for an MMA fan because there's constant fights. If it was like, if there were 13 events in a year, okay, I got more bandwidth. I can follow these storylines. Then maybe I would get more involved in the WWE. But if there's 40 to 50 fights, and that's just saying the UFC, not counting PFL, Bellator, One Championship, you name it, blah, 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 blah. Not even counting all these organizations that you call for. Um, <laughs> see, there's see, just, there's just, League Atlantic, yeah. tough enough. There's just too much. There, there's not enough bandwidth to follow this other stuff. So you just catch the major ones, like at least for me, like the, the Royal Rumble or, or like WrestleMania. I'll tune in to catch the little bits, but I always still feel like I'm missing part of the story. Like, how do we get to here? Right. How do these people that? And I think that's the tough part that you'll never fully have that carryover. I think you, what's going to happen maybe more, it's going to be more one directional where you're going to have WWE fans that have been fully sold and love WWE might get more interested in MMA. Maybe there'll be some MMA, but I think the larger product, a, 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 a proportion of fans maybe getting more into the other side, I think it's going to come from the, the yeah. wrestling side into the MMA side. Um, but, I felt I felt know, bad I, I felt bad for Lawrence Epstein because he's a nice guy and I hated for Dana to be ripping into 100%. him. 100%. I was, I was really surprised that Dana could have just took the softball and just said, you know, well, that's the hope. That's the goal. You know, we know we're going to – we have a new audience we're going to reach. And he's like – when he started making a face, I was like, oh, Fuck. I was, was like, I haven't even finished the question, and he's already grimacing up there. Yeah, you know he'd had that conversation in the office somewhere earlier because you didn't even get through the quote. He already knew the quote. But it was funny because – actually, it was funny when that quote came out. Uh, our friend Cody Merrow actually texted me, and he was like, did you read this? He was like, what do you think about this? And I, we, Cody and I were talking. I'm like, I actually had the same opinion that Dana did. I was like – I don't see how that ever happens. I was like, I get it. You yeah. know, like I, I get the, the ideal. That would be nice if we could double our fan base or whatever, but it's, it's just not going to happen. There's, I, I've seen it. I've been involved in this for too long. There's, there's certain people that love wrestling that don't like MMA, and there's certain people that love MMA that don't like wrestling, and then there's some that like 100%. both. But I don't think yep. – like I, I, can't, I can't imagine there's any pro wrestling fi like fan out there that was like, what did you say? Mixed martial <laughs> arts? The UFC? No, I'm I'm not familiar with it. Maybe you know, and vice versa. Like, is there anybody that's a USC fan that's like WWE? You say Never professional heard of it. wrestling? 
huh, maybe I should give that a shot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> – Is that like Olympic wrestlers that yeah, get paid? Like, how does that work? No, I mean, it's just it's just people have found what they like and what they don't like. So, I actually agree, yeah. but I felt I felt bad for, for Dana for ripping on him. But, uh, but I actually yeah, agree with Yeah, because Epstein's such a nice guy. He is, he is, the, he is the literal he – is, he is a UFC cheerleader. He is all about it, and he's a, such a nice guy. But, I mean, he's also been a big cheerleader for their study, their brain studies. Remember, we've done yes, multiple – huge. Uh, at the, the Lou Rovo uh, – am I saying that wrong? Yeah, Lou Rovo. Brain Lou Center. Yep. Um, and he's been big there. His family's been involved in all that kind of stuff. I think he has a personal tie to some of the brain study stuff for his own uh, family history, whatever. But he's always been a cheerleader for the UFC. I think this was just another moment where he was like, okay, somebody's got to get out there and say, this is going to be the greatest thing next to sliced bread, and I'm going to take that role. And, <laughs> and David was just like, yeah, bro, no, no, we don't have to. We don't have to say that. We don't have to say that. Uh, but, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I want one a one last thing in this whole this and this is this is way out there, but it did occur to me, and I and I, did, I think this is something maybe worth monitoring. So remember when PFL did this deal with Saudi Arabia, and and we talked about it, and I said, listen, you know, 100 million is nothing to scoff at, and they're going to bring live events over there, and this is opening, and it does open up the doors because from everything we've heard, that Saudi Arabia's funds are essentially limitless. Like, I mean, if they decide they're going to yeah. pour things on, they can pour things on. But let's not forget, WWE also has a very lucrative deal with Saudi Arabia. And so now, yeah. I wonder if that if if that's going to cause a little bit of rub where when it comes time to have discussions and renewals, you know, where if if, if Ari Emanuel gets in there and, and now you start talking, like, oh, you know, Saudi Arabia, you're doing a deal with the WWE. Well, why would you do with the PFL? Why don't you deal with TKO? And you can get in on the UFC side as well. And and they end up kind of trying to carve the PFL out of that Saudi Arabian investment money. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's 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 high level, you know, way down the road. But um, just something I think to at least keep in mind because I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, all right, yeah, listen. I mean, and, and pe- people people also forget, you know, the WWE has been big on improving, you know, um, relations with Iran ever since back to the Iron Sheik days. You know, they don't get enough credit, you know, to relations. And uh, maybe they have to, you know, since he's gone, maybe relations with Saudi will be a little bit easier. But, you know, let's, let, let, let us not forget. Bridging the gap Iron during Sheik, the Cold War. Bridging the gap. I'm telling you. Yeah, with the Cold War. I mean, there's uh, – if there should be probably a presidential, you know, declaration at some point thanking uh, professional wrestling for its relations in the world. So ridiculous. All right, listen, if you like what you listen to, th- please do take a moment to rate us, interview us uh, wherever you can. It means a lot. It helps the show out, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's where I uh, listen to all my podcasts. So if you've got time to, to, to log in, rate and review us, I certainly would appreciate it. Uh, if you want to take your sports to the next level, really appreciate that. Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow for as little as $3 a month. You can help support the show. Uh, and you get exclusive access to our and a half episodes wrapping up every single USC event, which is pretty much every single weekend of the year. Uh, as we've been alluding to here and there, I will be spending a little bit more time over there lately than I, than I, than I previously had in uh, recent times. So I'm looking forward to that. It's also a guaranteed route to uh, to get a chance to talk with us. Both of us try to be good on social media and try to respond to everything, but it's hard. I'll be honest with you. I get buried in mentions and DMs and stuff like that. 
Um, and uh, if, if you can take it over there, then uh, I, I guarantee you we can have some conversations. Uh, like my man Scott McCrate had just sent me a question, which I'll – uh, be following up a cold coffee on that. Uh, always great to hear from Scott McCrate, who's been uh, a big supporter of us for a long time. Uh, all right, listen, we've been talking a long time. We haven't talked that much about Noche UFC. Uh, I was not there for media day yesterday. Obviously, it is the, the, the women's flyweight title fight, the rematch that we're all excited about. It's celebrating Mexican Independence Day. It's Alexa Grasso, the Mexican champion, putting her belt on the line for the first time against the woman she beat to take it. Valentina Shevchenko, one of the all-time greats. Um, incredible result last time out. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is the slight favorite in the rematch. I've said it since the first fight happened. I think I probably picked Valentina in the rematch, as, 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 as weird as that may sound. Um, I know there's some stats going against Valentina in terms of age, in terms of uh, how uh, champions do when they lose the belt in immediate rematches. There's some things stacked against her. I just have a hard time doubting her again. Uh, there were people that would point to you, and, and aptly so. She barely beat Tyler Santos. Then she lost to Alexa Grosso. Is she slipping? Is she down a step? And it, it may be possible. It may absolutely be possible. And I also don't want to take away from Alexa Grosso. She's, she's phenomenal. I've enjoyed watching the rise of Alexa Grosso. Her boxing has always been incredible, slick. Uh, certainly she added a grappling game. We saw the, the beautiful submission win. You know, maybe she'll be buoyed by the fact that here's a, 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 a an event built around September 16th, around Independence Day. Um, so maybe that's going to be a, a, a big thing for her as well, that she gets a little bit of added energy or she gets a little bit of added um, yeah, energy, I guess, excitement, whatever the case may be, uh, in, in this opportunity for her as well. So I do slightly favor Valentina Shevchenko, I think, in the rematch. And it seemed like she was looking pretty damn intense at the media day. Uh, I don't know. Just let me know, I guess, kind of what kind of vibe you felt after after getting to be in the room and talking to both these athletes because uh, I obviously didn't get that chance. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Being in the room with uh, Valentina and Alexa, both of them sort of definitely had different airs and energy with them. Um, Alexa still has always just been very humble, very focused. I think she is definitely going to be buoyed by the Mexican crowd that's going to be there. It just feels like uh, – She's soaking in the moment. I love that she's appreciating, even with the, that the belt that they brought out there, um, the special cool. belt that was made for yeah, only yeah. the second time they'd done. The belt was beautiful. Um, at first, I was confused. I was thinking, like, okay, are they fighting for that belt, or they're just giving her to have that belt regardless? I'm not quite sure. I'm still a little unsure because they're like, we had this made for her. I'm like, well, so you just giving her – but if she loses it, are you still giving her to keep that? Or does Valentina take the belt home? I mean, uh, you, do, you, my, do you have a different? I mean, my understanding what's your understanding is, on that? My understanding is that is not the actual belt that's up for grabs. The actual belt that's up for grabs is just the normal one. But I guess if she wins, they'd probably give her the art one. Um, but it's just like a piece of art. It's not actually the belt. So if Valentina wins, she'll just get a normal belt. That's why, they, why, they, why are they just favoring the Mexicans, man? What's up with that? Why, maybe maybe <laughs> well, Valentina that, see, wants that cool belt. That is – see, that's the odd part. And I thought the same thing when they first came out with these artist belts. Um, and the UFC didn't do it from what I understand. It was an artist that wanted to create it, and I guess then they worked with the UFC, and the UFC capitalized on it. And, and I liked it because I do love anytime the UFC does something a little outside of the box and something a little creative. And as yeah. you said, those belts are beautiful, man. They're really, really cool that were given to the Mexican champions. But it is weird to be like, and if you win, you get to walk out with this beautiful piece of art. And if you win, Valentina, eh, here you go. 
You get the you get the same old team. It's kind of like when when Maymac they made a belt for that fight, and the winner took that belt. You know, right? So just right. like, hmm, I'm not sure, but regardless, uh, I digress. But yeah, I just thought that was <laughs> I was like I was like that's kind of fucked up. Like that belt should be for who wins. You know, if you're gonna make the Noche UFC you know event. But they're just like, okay, hey, by the way, we have this artist that just likes Mexicans and uh, wants to give them belts. So uh, screw all the rest of you people. We're only going to do it twice, and both of them are just Mexicans. Like, listen, Valentin, if you want to go to Kyrgyzstan and find somebody that wants to make you a belt, like, we'll do it. I'm just saying, like, it's not our fault. Blood diamonds and all kinds of shit. Uh, um, the the focus of Valentina, you know, honestly, I I uh, and I guess this parlay is my pick. I picked Valentina to take this one back. Um, yeah. She's just so focused, and it's hard for me to uh, forget everything that led Valentina to the point of where we're considering her one of the pound-for-pound greatest and one of the the greatest in in what she does. Um, I just feel like, not that it was just a moment that she just slipped up. I just To me, when I was explaining to somebody uh, the other day, it was like when Amanda lost to Juliana Pena. It was like a moment where she just didn't look herself in that fight, and then the you know the better fight on that night won. But then when the rematch came, I believe that when you know you watched the body of work, what it, Nunes had done up to that point, you thought that that was the fighter that was going to show up, and that was the fighter that was going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happened, and it was a dominant performance. I feel like this is going to be another version of that. I feel like uh, Valentina is focused. She's sharp. She knows what she did wrong in the last one, and the last one was just perfect. I, I love that Alexa was able to get the belt. I don't know. If, I don't think the extra pressure is going to get to Alexa and make her, you know, do something silly. I think she's too smart for that. But I do feel that the the dominant Valentina that we've seen in the past has been the one that we've seen this week already. When she was in the the media room, she was very focused. You know, she was yeah. all about right now. She's never been one to really look too far ahead. She just wants to focus on this one uh, this one fight, and she's given herself. And she said, I forget the exact quote, but she's given herself no choice but to push forward and only focus on this fight and to get this belt and to go home with it. And I believe that she's going to right the wrong that she did that 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 last fight. Um, I think it will take another perfect fight for Alexa to hold on. Doesn't mean that she can't do it. Maybe um maybe uh the days of when we doubted uh any opponent for Valentina are gone. Maybe maybe Alexa was the one that erased that. And I, I think certainly with another win here, then then I will maybe not question uh the fact that other opponents can beat Valentina. I just feel like Valentina wasn't quite uh at her best form that last fight, and I think what I've seen so far this week, I think that form will be there. Um, so in my, my staff picks, I did pick Valentina, but, um, Alexa is a great champ. She's, she's adorable. She's humble. Uh, uh, she loves the fan base. I think she's great for the sport. If she wins, I think that's a win as well. I mean, a Valentina win. She's also great for the sport. Uh, great representative. Both ladies are great representatives of the sport representatives for their, their, their countries. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it's gonna be a great fight. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be a lot of fight. You know, the last one ended on, on you know, sort of with what was taking place on the ground. If if Valentina has an answer for the 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 moves that Alexa gets her in, but you know, if, if Valentina can you know get some good strikes, which Alexa has great striking as well, um, the fight could be very interesting in a lot of areas that it goes. I just feel like uh, Valentina. Um, She's gonna want to just write what she did that last performance, so I'm I'm picking her for for this one. 
I am too. I am too. And as you said, it's not that I'm I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not counting Grasso out, and I certainly wouldn't hate to see her win because of all the things you said, man. It's great. I think I think the sport wins either way. The UFC wins either way. Either way. Uh, so yeah. I, I think it's it's good. But I, I do kind of like Shevchenko and the story of redemption here. We'll find out if that plays out. Uh, all right. So I watched. I got a chance to see Valentina and Alexis Tom with the media. I didn't get a chance to see Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maddalena's media scrums, um, but I did see some of the highlights. Was was Kevin Holland coming in a little chippy? Was did he get a little irritated or? No, we got he got a little. He got, it was funny because a lot of it was on Danny because Danny brought up you know the talk about the belt you know and you know Holland gets that point where he sort of gets nonchalant where he's like you know it's not about the belt it's about making money you know right. and a lot of fighters have got that way as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I think fighters some people think that the fighters saying it because they can't get the belt. You know, they're like, well, you know, they, they stop talking about the belt or they they just talk about money because they're never hey, going to get to a belt or something. Hey, listen, to Joseph Benavides, a guy that was always right there. 100%. I think he, he kind of had to do what I think for his own, like, mental, uh, you know, positivity, right? To just be like, I got to stop thinking yeah. about this damn belt. I got So it's not always yeah. a bad thing. And he was, he was a high level, as high level as you can get without winning a belt. So it's not like it's just guys that are toiling in obscurity that say that. Sometimes it's just a smart way to approach things, right? Yeah, and I think in this point he was just like he was like so why he's like why are you obsessed about it? he's like if I'm not obsessed with the belt why are you obsessed with the belt he's like you gonna fight for the belt you you ever fought you ever blah 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 and he just started getting a little chippy <laughs> okay. because I get it you know and, but I mean also too you know like uh, a lot of people were trying to say like why didn't this fight happen down south and I uh, and I think some people were saying that he was offered to take the fight down there but he he didn't want to fight down there you know I mean. We've said this a ton, tons of times. Like, no fighter is afraid to fight anywhere. You know, there's just some particular times where some fights are better, uh, you know, in other areas. And how Kevin sort of phrased was like, if they wanted me to fight on the card, they would have asked me to fight on the card, and I would have fought on the card. They didn't do that. So I didn't fight down there. I'm not I'm not skipping fights. I'm not whatever. I'm I'm not trying to do whatever. So, like, don't get it twisted or whatever. Um, so, but no, it was, it was his typical sort of, you know, funny, snap it, you know, sort of thing side. But... Um, but that was, I think, the part where he got a little edgier, where maybe it wasn't as fun. But, I mean, we've seen that from Kevin before when it comes to uh, these media pressers and media days. You know, if he finds people that are going to ask him fun questions and let him have a good time, then he has a good time, and then he starts, you know, having some stuff. But if it's a fighter, you know, where if, uh, you know, uh, they... You know, you're picking a question. He's just like, I'm not in the mood for it. I'm not going to have this. Then he gets a little pissy. But that didn't that didn't seem to sort of happen. But he definitely looked like he was definitely very more serious. I just want to get to the fight. You know, let's just get it. We're a couple days away. Um, he said he was able to take fights at 85 or he's at 70. He's like, right now they're paying me to take fights at 70, so I'll fight at 70. But if they're going to pay me to take fights at 85, I'll take tech fights at that. And I think that's part of two where he's like, I'm not focused on the belt. He's like. I'm just focused on give me fights, give me fights, and I'll I'll get in there and I'll fight whatever. It doesn't really matter. So, um, but no, I mean it was it was still good. I thought it was good, and and Jack was you know was fine on his end as well. You know, Jack's always been just about business when he gets in the media day. You know, ask him his questions, yeah, and then he just wants to get to the fight. He was very straightforward, very business like. Neither guy was really took any uh, that I can recall really took shots at at the other. Um, you know, I think they realize you know a lot of people are going to be looking at that fight to really sort of you know help give the show some real sort of brevity. I mean, like, I appreciate the title fight, and I think that fight means something. But outside of it, I mean, like, this fight here with, with Holland and Madalena is is easily the second best fight on that card. Oh, and, and for 100%. some, that might be the fight that, that most people want to see off this card. 100%. I mean, it's guaranteed to have some sort of fun action going on in it. 
Um, but both guys look very, very businesslike. Um, you know, um, looks like the cuts are, you know, are fine. You know, at this point, I mean, we're still, we were still, you know, two days out from the weight cut, but both guys look good. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Maybe, maybe we should see them, you know, because they're bigger <laughs> guys. And I want to say it's, this is a, what this is a seventy fight, right? Yep, so I mean, yep. they, 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 are, they're big guys cutting down to that. So, but for the most part, um, they look good, and I mean, I think they looked as chippy as you can be. Uh, cutting weight <laughs> down to the weight that these guys have to cut down to. So, um, but no, it should be good. Uh, that fight. I mean, I, I can't jeeks that one by saying that one's going to be fireworks because it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be it. some good stuff. There'll be some shit talking and, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I love it. I'm excited for that. Uh, the rest of the card, uh, the return of the, of the teenager, Raul Rosas Jr. against Terrence Mitchell. Uh, that's a big one. Of course, we had a chance to talk to Rosas, uh, what, a week or two ago when we had the, the, the media day. Daniel Zellweger as well. We got to speak to him against Christos Giagos. Fernando Padilla is back against Kyle Nelson. I think Fernando Padilla, I heard, walked around and shook every media member's Every hand single the- person. And he, would, he tried to do it afterwards, too. He came and gave, like, uh, knuckle bumps. But since his ran a little bit long – uh, Kevin Holland was the last person, so Holland started coming into the room up under the stage, and so I think he he cut the uh, the the <laughs> I'm leaving the media room handshakes down. But who knows? They were behind me. He might have still went through and still <laughs> knuckle bumped everybody. But dude, it was great. He you could see he was enjoying the moment. It was very special to him. He got emotional kind of up there, you know, thinking about you know his path there. Um, so it definitely meant a lot, but it was really cool. I mean, we, we see that every once in a while where somebody will come through and it's not, you know, they're not obligated. It's very, very cool when they do take the time to thank us for being there when we're like, bro, we can't do our jobs without you. We should be coming up and thanking you after this, but that's not, not right of us. It's not very professional for it to be like, thank you so much for coming up and fighting. But (laughs) inside internally, that's kind of what we're thinking, but it was kind of cool that he, he took the time to go around and shake everybody's hands. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. He's a nice uh, he's a, kid, man. Good he's kid. a super nice kid, man. He really is. Uh, prelims, we'll have a little CFSC flavor there. Lupe Godinez against former champ Elise Reed. Tough stylistic oh, matchup for Elise Reed. Love me some Lupe. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> one. Lupe's grappling so good. That's a tough matchup for Reed, who's more of a striker at heart. But, uh, yeah. you know, we're giving her some CFSC love. Roman Kapilov is there against Josh Fremd. Edgar Chires against Daniel Lacerda. Another fight that I'm a little surprised as to where it's at on the card. I know there's reasons sometimes for why they space these the way they do, um, but it's got some CFFC love, but it's also got some meaning. That is Tracy Cortez versus Jasmine Jazz Divisius. Um, yeah, rank you know ranked women's flyweight. So I'm a little surprised that this one is you know as far down on the prelims as it is. It's not even like the featured prelim or anything like that. But uh, you know, I guess yeah. you, you try no. to give people a reason to tune in early. Yeah, and I think that's it too. And I was trying to, I was trying to rack my brain a little bit. I was trying to think if either one of these two tends to have like issues on the scale, like pushing it a little bit. And I wonder if they didn't want to put it on a main card and thinking like, you know, there's quite the possibility that one of them might come in heavy. Right. And they're like, let's just sort of take that out. But honestly, the fights that are on the main card are good cards. I mean, could this easily have been like the start of the main card? One hundred percent. And like you said, it could have been the feature prelim. I just think there was maybe some reasons. Maybe there was just some questions that they just put it in a position where um, it was less risk adverse for the overall um, card by its placement or whatever. Yeah. But like it's, you said, it definitely is a reason to tune in for the prelims. I mean, if there's going to be a fight, I mean, like both of them are really, really good. Uh, I want to say, well, not that it matters when I pick. I think I picked Jasmine to take this one, I, which I, uh, I, I probably would too, to be honest with you. I probably would you? too. And I, I yeah, know I'm a CFSC homer, but I probably I'm, would. Yeah. I can't tell. I can't remember what the others on our staff did. I feel like that would be an unpopular pick, but it felt right. 
I think Jasmine just, I mean, I know she said she wanted at one point wanted to be the new GSP um, and, and represent her country or whatever. And I'm just like, eh, I don't know, but she's, she's a baller, man. She's badass. She's hey, badass. Really, but I mean, how can you not like Cortez too, man? Cortez is a fucking beast, man. Absolutely. That's fine. A, that's going to be a very competitive <laughs> matchup, sir. A very competitive matchup. That's what uh, I meant by saying fine. It's going to be a fine matchup. Oh, you're ridiculous. You're so ridiculous. <laughs> Charlie Campbell, uh, another CFFC vet making his debut against Alex Reyes and Josephine Dutson against Marduk, man. So, uh, I'm going to fly back. I think uh, I land at like 11 a.m. in Vegas on Saturday, so I'll go home, change, maybe try to get in a quick nap, and then I'll be there. Oh, I'm not covering anything with your else. Presence, look at that! Look at I that! Will, I will be there. I will be there on Saturday night. So I will, I will, I will, I will be uh, helping you in uh, UFC coverage, sir. So you're not going to be at the uh, athlete panel, which is going to take place uh, later today at nope. Level Up inside MGM Grand, which nah. is crazy because we just saw all these people yesterday, minus Tracy <laughs> Cortez. It's Gil <laughs> Melendez as the host, Alexa Grass. Well, it's funny. On the PR schedule, they put Alexa Grass instead of Grasso. Uh, <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko, Raul Rosas Jr., Daniel Zellhuber, and Tracy Cortez. Uh, so I'm hoping it. I'm hoping there's a crowd for it. I hope it should be interesting. But it's in a different place than it's normally is. We're not doing like the car theater or anything like that. It, you know, I'm assuming it's just like kind of in the general area where they would do the open workouts inside the MGM Grand. But of course they're going to put us in the MGM, which is having all kinds of issues. I'm like, this is going to be wonderful. So this. Oh, should be I didn't very, even very think fun. about that. Yeah, I did, it should I did, be like I, on a, so. <laughs> on a bonus side, I do believe you will get free parking because they the parking thing isn't working, so they can't charge anybody oh. for parking. Oh. Well, hey, that's a plus. That's a plus. And then, yeah, so then then, then tomorrow, the we have, of course, the official weigh-ins in the morning. I'll be streaming that one. And then we're going to have the uh, go stand out in the sun uh, Q&A and ceremonial weigh-ins um, where please now, if you're listening to this and you're going to go out there, please drink water, bring water. You will get hot and there will be people passing out. And it's going to be point. unfortunate. I hope you are prepared for that. And I know that may just make it sound like a bunch of old dudes, you know, that are like, oh, you, you worry, you got to carry that. But we, you've actually seen people pass out out there in prior. 100 so, yeah, percent. So. The last the last boxing one that I uh, did when it was um, Garcia and Davis, that was later in the evening. That was like four o'clock or later, maybe. Maybe it was a little bit earlier than that. Um, and people were passing out. This is still I mean, granted, this is a little bit later in the year, but this is it's like one o'clock. People are going to be there by guarantee by one or maybe even before trying to get in line the q a starts at two people are going to be there before an hour before that and they're going to be standing out in the sun and Ooh. especially the ones that aren't drinking water that are drinking drinking uh it's it's bound to happen so hopefully people are smart and prepare themselves and i uh, hope the ufc's taking contingency plans <laughs> on how to take care of people because this is their idea I don't know if Public. it's a money-saving cost or they just thought, you know, hey, this is what boxing does sometimes, and they just want to kind of piggyback off of that big open plaza, lots of people out there, you know, that's, kind of thing. But That's what I think. More, more so than – I mean, maybe it saves money, but I don't think they care too much about that. I think it's more that they want to create that uh, public kind of uh, – you know that, that spectacle. You know that people could see it. You know what I mean. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right. Public public service announcement from the Mayor. Well, all right, it'd be I'll a really you... crappy spectacle if nobody shows up. <laughs> then, ah. then then they're gonna look silly. <laughs> that'll be people. That'll be hey. They can't get checked into their hotel rooms, so they might as well come out. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're going to put signs in the lobby. While you can't check in, would you like to go over here and check out this UFC event free <laughs> so and live funny. from the Toshiba Plaza? Well, uh, the line will probably stretch to Shichiba, Toshiba Plaza from the, the check-in. I heard the line to actually check in was really bad. It was like bending back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because it was such crazy. a bad uh, – yeah, so maybe they'll just straighten it out and just take it over the bridge into the Toshiba Plaza. That's crazy. <laughs> they can That's watch crazy. this while they're waiting in line. Uh, all right, listen, I know you got to run, so I won't take up any more of your time. I know you got to get down there. You got Fight Week to cover. I got CFSC to prep for, so make sure you tune into that on Friday night if you can on UFC Fight Pass. And of course, you and I will both be at Noche UFC in Las Vegas on Saturday, so we'll cover it there. And for everybody over at patreon.com slash the NBA Roadshow, we will have the and a half episode directly after that fight card so in the meantime uh i saw the gran turismo movie with my kid if you're looking for something that's kind of Ooh. entertaining it's good i'll, I'll it? give it two it? i'll give it two thumbs up uh i just want to show that okay. out there so i saw it with my kid we enjoyed it both of us two thumbs up from the morgan family uh if you're looking for something to watch the gran turismo movie was good especially if you ever played the game growing up or whatever uh dallas cowboys yeah. shot the dallas cowboys looked insanely good holy I'm not holding, cow not, not holding my breath that they'll keep that up but i just want to give a quick <laughs> shout out to them uh, Aaron Rodgers, that was crazy, man. I could spend a whole like I watched uh, Hard Knocks. I was yeah. I was excited to see how he played. I feel so bad for New York Jets fans and anybody that had him on your fantasy team to go down after four plays. Terrible, terrible. Uh, so just want to get all that out. But more than anything, I just want to tell you, thanks for listening.